Hosea is not a prophet that we hear from all that often. He's one of the 12 minor prophets, as spoken of, which doesn't really have to do with its level of importance, but rather that it is one of the prophets that isn't very long and towards the end of the Hebrew scriptures in our Bible. For instance, a major prophet, if you want to call it that, like Jeremiah and Isaiah, had a lot more written down, and we do hear a lot more from those prophets in our lectionary. So I'm curious if those of you present today, how many of you remember hearing a sermon given from Hosea? Just raise your hand. Okay, there, there's a sprinkling, but not, not too many. How, let's just say, how many have heard from the prophet Isaiah? Yeah, a lot more. So yes, Hosea is not as known Well, we have been journeying through the Hebrew scriptures this fall and noting here the two kingdoms, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and the kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, as we have seen in other slides as we've journeyed. Well, Hosea is written somewhere between the 740s and 730s BC, just to give you an idea of time frame. And King Jeroboam II ruled at if the northern kingdom of Israel during this time. And as you may remember from the last few Sundays, uh, when Phil has preached and showed slides, the dividing of the north and the south, which divided the 12 tribes of Israel into separate states, the northern kingdom being made up of 10 tribes, and the southern kingdom being made up of two. This two-kingdom split lasted for over 200 years, if you can fathom that span of time. And in the span of time, Hosea is coming in towards the end of this 200-year reign. So whether Hosea knew through God's revelation to him or he saw the writing on the political wall, the kingdom of Israel was teetering on the brink of battle and destruction. The kings of Israel had been focused on amassing wealth and power. And the neighboring power, or one of the neighboring powers, the Assyrian Empire, was a power on the rise, seemingly intent on dominating, spreading their domination in the area. Perhaps the kingdom of Israel had become an attractive target for the Assyrians, who would eventually take them over in 722 B.C., Hosea may have been trying to connect or correct the trajectory of this big ship, this kingdom, or simply providing a sense of God's character that the people of Israel could return to with the forthcoming takeover. So in this section of Hosea that we read this morning, 
God's character is depicted as in a relationship between a parent and a child. God as parent and Israel as the child. In this poem, it sounds like God is reminiscing of a relationship once had with a people, tender, healing, close. Like a parent with an infant or toddler who's dependent on their parents' care, feeding, holding, spending time with a young child. There is a dependence and a vulnerability to the outside world that the parent wants to protect their child from. This image is endearing. God is healer, kind, loving, provider of daily needs, of sustenance. It doesn't go along with sometimes the harsh judgment of God that we can hear of at times in the Hebrew scriptures. It's an acknowledgement of the relationship between a parent and child that offers this tender care and love, especially in the early years, while acknowledging, that the, fa acknowledging the fact that as a child gets older and into adulthood, they begin making their own decisions ones that don't always align with the hopes of the parent. The kingdom of Israel was not living in a way that pleased God. So by verse 5, God is emotionally distraught with the child's rejection and turning to the other gods. God felt the visceral emotion of Israel choosing Baal over God's self. The natural consequence of turning away became the kings of Israel and the Assyrians' war, destruction, devastation, and the ultimate scattering of a people. This metaphor of parent-child is familiar to us. We can tap into our common emotions and experience of being a child, or maybe a parent as well. Maybe even feel what God is feeling in this passage. What God reveals in the metaphor as a parent is that God feels all the feelings of humanity. There is lament, remembrance, tenderheartedness, loving kindness, frustration, distress, and ultimately a deep love. I may point out, too, that this is in the midst of what appears to not have a peaceful resolution. There is no clean resolution here. More like God being resigned to the consequences of the people of Israel and what they will experience. God chooses loving compassion in the midst of a broken relationship. 
Now, I think it's easy for us to jump in to say, how can we learn about parenting from God's character here? However, I think we may be missing part of the point if we do so. Rather, I believe this is more about how you and I, we are being formed as children of a loving parent. God chooses loving compassion over punishment for you, for me, for all people. In the gospel text, Jesus exemplifies this through embracing the children around him, through teaching that the kingdom belongs to such as these, the ones who are curious, open, Light-hearted, express emotion freely, ask questions, play, follow their heart. Those who are present in the moment, accepting what is provided for them, flourishing in a loving environment, and not concerning themselves with amassing wealth and power or seeking to dominate over another. It's a vulnerable position to be a child. The vulnerability isn't necessarily realized at a young age. It's often seen as one grows older and looking back. As adolescents, we begin to express our individuality, expanding the world of influence. And adulthood works on developing autonomy being productive and a contributor to a larger whole. And we live in a culture that does not value the development of childlike characteristics like vulnerability, asking questions, being present and expressing emotions. So what does it mean to be to open ourselves to our loving, compassionate parent God. Perhaps it is in taking the time to be present to the seasons, noticing, to be present with the person that you are with, maybe even free of screens, to be present to your own soul in a time of silence or getting out for a walk. Maybe it's allowing difficult emotions to emerge, whether it's anger, sadness, grief, anxiety, and finding someone who can be present with you to process. Maybe it's choosing to play disc golf, a board game, having a dance party while cooking, going out with friends instead of working late or filling a day with chores. Maybe it's taking the time to acknowledge life's questions to be either spoken or written to yourself, your friends, your community. These choices come 
as an invitation to orient ourselves, not at gaining or amassing or extracting anything, but rather opening ourselves to put our guard down, to surrender to our relationships with God, with ourself, and with each other. God, as the parent of the Israelites, is the same God today, desiring the best for each of us, wanting to love us with an everlasting, tender love. Our invitation is to be open to receive it. I know it is one thing to say it, but another to actually do it, to live it. So I want to give us a practical way that we can do this here now, perhaps in the days to come, or in a moment when you are feeling at the top of what you can handle. This practice isn't to seek instant change, but rather to open ourselves as we are able to be formed and shaped by God's love that will not let us go. So I invite you to engage in this pra practice with your childlike imagination by first closing your eyes and just consider where you are most challenged right now as a child of God. And as that emerges, imagine where that is, whether you notice it in your mind's eye, in your heart, maybe you feel it in your gut. And as you continue to hold that challenge, I invite you to breathe in deep. And as you breathe in, imagine that breath carrying God's love and compassion to that place. And as you exhale, breathe out all that doesn't serve you. You can even use the words, breathing in love and compassion. And as you breathe out, releasing all that doesn't serve you. In this few moments of silence, just continue to hold the meeting of your life challenge at this moment with God's love and compassion. God of compassion, we thank you for your loving embrace instead of anger and retribution. May we listen to the invitation to be your children, open and vulnerable, playful and curious in this world we call home.
Amen. invite you to join together at continuing to shed that which does not serve us by reading the confession as written in your bulletin or on the screen. We, like Israel, have tripped and faltered, worshiping idols of wealth and power. Forgive us. We have developed cataracts of individualism and capitalism which blur our vision, unveil our eyes. We are ill from all the isms in our culture and world. Heal us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May your loving kindness, O Lord, fill, soften, and challenge us, Spirit Divine. <laughs> 